Hello, and welcome to the best football week of the year on the Ed Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, and I'm joined today by the only two men that could join me today. The only two men that deserve to be here today, the core, the backbone of this podcast for the past two seasons. The, the man from Buffalo with a gorgeous mustache, a Bills season ticket holder, a wing connoisseur, a man who's going to go out and make some fucking ice cream sandwiches with warm cookies this weekend. It's Mason from Buffalo. Mason, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm cold and I'm buried in snow, but I'm alive. So I'm doing well. That's good. And joining us all the way from Seoul, South Korea. I'm just going to say the only place in South Korea that I know and hope it's right. Seoul, South Korea. It's a man the myth, the fucking legend himself, it's YB, the man, he is here after dealing with a sales emergency, after being a great company man, after tearing his father's company, and, and being the next generational billionaire in South Korea, I it wish. is YB, well, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, YB. Oh man, like, you know, like about an hour ago, I was on a Skype call with a different sort of <laughs> for a different sort of conversation. So this seems oddly familiar all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I hope this. I hope Weird. This... I always assumed you just worked for Samsung. What? I just always assumed he worked for Samsung. That was that was my head camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, that's you're inaccurate in that part. I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Damn. I can't get a discount on the phone, then? No, sorry. (laughs) No. Uh, Not joining us tonight is uh, the fentanyl-dealing, lost soul, uh, general rabble-rouser slash totally lost 21-year-old pain-in-my-ass chief's lunatic, Bradford Sonnenberg, nowhere to be found. Doesn't have a fucking real phone is something we learned tonight. He, he, like he's he's still operating on a flip phone for some reason. Don't really understand that. Left his laptop at his quote grandma's house. Yeah, right. I I, I doubt his grandma's even alive. And like and his grandma should honestly, frankly, be ashamed of him. She's done such a poor job of teaching him how to follow through and keep with commitments. The the Chiefs are fucking playing the Bills this weekend. We have a Bills fan on the fucking podcast. He needs to be here for the Chiefs Bills preview, but he can't because he's just a fucking lost soul. And we'll leave it at that. And I was going to say some fucking nice shit about Patrick Mahomes tonight as well. I literally was. I was going to put it all on the table. And I was going to say something that I'll get to when I get to the Bills Chiefs game. But that's off the table now. I'm And, and, and I'm just going to say outlandish shit. Because no one's here to check me on it. And uh, it's, it's going to be a fun time. But uh, I just had to get that out of the way. Yes, Bradford, who literally has not been here for a majority of the year, refused to be here on the most important football weekend of the year. I don't even know if he's going to show up Sunday night. Probably won't if the, if the, uh, if the, if the Chiefs lose. Hopefully he does, but you never really know. But I know you two hopefully will be with me Saturday night. YB, 
I hope that it'll be a nice change of pace for you recording on a day where you do not have to be in the office. I, 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 that is very purposefully why I made sure that we're doing a Saturday and a Sunday because I want to make sure I, I got you on for, for some of the weekend. But with that all out of the way, I mean, how, how are we feeling, guys? I feel like this is the best weekend of the year. It's my favorite. I can't wait to just sit on my ass and watch. To me, the uh, you guys know me. I'm a quarterback guy. The eight best quarterbacks remaining. I just can't wait. I, I think it's going to be fun as hell, and I can't wait to talk about it today. We're in, we live in a world where the eight best quarterbacks, we have Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and uh, former uh, punching bag of Eric Brock Purdy. So the world, the NFL changes very quickly. Yeah, I will say this, YB. I do miss Joe Burrow. That That is really the only thing these playoffs... The, the only thing these playoffs are missing is the only thing these playoffs are missing is Joe Burrow. But other than that, I would say we got the perfect people in. And and hey, if I have to sacrifice Joe Burrow for Jordan Love and CJ Stroud, listen, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah, but I, I know Joe Burrow's gonna be back next year. I know you hate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean what, what can you do? Sometimes like I mean, the Ravens had experienced this the last two seasons when Lamar could have finished the season. So I mean, it happens to it. It happens to it. All right. Well, I don't think Joe Burrows had a time where he had to go off the field for a while because he almost pooped his pants. But I mean, you know, kind of a similar thing. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow has excellent bowel control. That's just me. I just, <laughs> I, I just think he does. This podcast is up to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's uh, rank our top five quarterbacks by bowel control. Number one, that, Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow definitely controls when he poops. You know, like he's just he's just got that in him. Jesus Christ, can we move this along? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I let us down this road. Uh... <laughs> wow, you guys are again silly time. But I understand. We have serious <laughs> we have serious topics to discuss. It only makes sense that we go in chronological order. So let's do just that. Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, God's Time Zone. Sorry, Mason. I know you think you're on the top of the world. I know you think Eastern Time is superior. It's not. You guys have to stay up until like 3 in the morning if you want to watch sporting events. I get to go to bed at 11 o'clock every single night, and it's glorious. Man time is God's time zone for watching sports. Unless you're watching international soccer, in which case I'll I'll give the Eastern time zone that. But then central time zone, still I take. Um Texans, Ravens. We've gotten here. Okay, I just have to ask this question to both of you. Am I crazy to be doubting the Ravens a little bit? Like, I know that we say Lamar Jackson, no doubt MVP, but he's played he's played fine this year. You guys know me. I'm a huge Lamar guy. I have not been as enthralled with him as the rest of the national media has been this year. I'm kind of worried because historically he's struggled in the playoffs. He hasn't played in a ton of them, but historically he has kind of struggled in the playoffs. It just feels like there's a weird vibe 
around the Ravens. And maybe I'm just going to come out of this weekend being totally wrong and they smoke the Texans and it's like, oh yeah, this is a no doubt Super Bowl contender. But part of me just, I, I want to see it. I, they need to prove something to me. And they, ha- they haven't really, you know, they've done it throughout the regular season, but it's different now. It's January. Go go in in January and I might be all in next week. But I'm just not there yet. I have some doubts about the Ravens. Do you guys think that's fair or am I just crazy? Well, I I think when you're the, you're the one team on buying your conference and you basically are out of the spotlight for one week on a very frenetically focused week for football and you see in that wildcard week CJ Stroud and the Texans play as well as they do and dismantle a very highly touted defense. I mean, it's only human to kind of react to that and kind of think, well, maybe <clears throat> like the team that didn't play, like who knows what they're how what they're gonna be after a week off. But I I wouldn't go so far on the rape on doubting the Ravens as much. Mainly because I think even though Lamar's stats aren't particularly gaudy, like maybe like especially if you compare it to say his MVP season or if you're comparing passing yards to some of the other like high like highly throwing quarterbacks, but I think Lamar has played very well for the majority of the season. Some occasional, shall we say, mental lapses, team-wide mental lapses notwithstanding. And the Ravens, I think the system that uh, that Jamar, John Harbaugh brought in with Todd Munkin, I think Lamar has played well. He's always going to miss a couple of deep balls. I think that's always kind of been his Achilles heel and that he's a little bit, his accuracy can get a little bit scattershot when you go deep. I think on the whole, Lamar has played much more maturely and much more solidly and much more sustainably than he did in the past. And I think the weapons that they have, like who knows if Mark Andrews will come back. We heard reports that he's practicing again, but Isaiah Lycan has been a more than sufficient deputy in his absence. Zay Flowers has been a sensation. Odell Beckham, after a rough start, slowly began to find the form that which made him Odell Beckham. And Nelson Aguilar like the the insults of the Philadelphia fans notwithstanding, Aguilar has been a very serviceable number three receiver for them. So like, I think they're, I think they'll be fine. And the Ravens defense has been, they, they've contained offenses like that are just as, if not more potent than the Texans. They throttled the Niners. They throttled the Dolphins, although the Dolphins get throttled by anybody with the, that has a winning record. So I'm not too worried. If I were a Ravens fan, I wouldn't be too worried. I'd be cautious because Stroud has played very well. And also the Texan defensive line has gotten good pressure on their opponents with Grenard and Will Anderson. But I think the Ravens should still be comfortable favorites in this match. Yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I gotta agree with why. interested to see how they play. Yeah, Mason, go ahead. I got to agree with why B that I think the Ravens still like, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson doesn't have like the best record in the postseason, he has won in the postseason before. I mean, realistically, looking back at the Bills game, they could easily won that if it wasn't for a 102 yard interception pick six, you know? I mean, and yeah, that's on him for throwing it. But at the end of the day, you know, a couple inches the other way, it's touchdown. And we're talking about how, you know, the Bills can't get it done in the postseason, which, I mean, they haven't totally. But, you know, Josh has at least won enough games. We're not always wondering if he can win one game. 
it's not like Dak Prescott's record where it's literally over. Like he, he literally has not been capable of putting this together in any meaningful way. And I, yeah, I, I understand Mason, but I do want to throw this out here. I think he's definitely not the best quarterback in this game. And I think he might be the fourth best quarterback in the teams remaining in the AFC. In Lamar Jackson. Like, I, I, I just worry. Like, I know he's had a really good year. And I, we all like Lamar. And we want him to win. But, like, I just feel like he's run up against. Speak for yourself. An absolute buzzsaw <laughs> of, of of guys. And it's like. I, I think C.J. Stroud's better than him at this point in his career. I really do. I think C.J. Stroud is a better passer than Lamar Jackson and a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I, I think he's a better offensive weapon. I I really do. I think he's that special of a passer, and I think we're, we're going to see that on display this weekend. I mean, that's a fair take to have. Like, Stroud has played exceptionally well, and maybe that's maybe what you're saying comes to fruition in this game. Like, that's, that's always a possibility. And for what it's worth, like I gave Lamar his Lamar and the Ravens their flowers, but when you see how the Texans have kind of come together and come together this season, especially toward the end of the season after some initial struggles, <clears throat> they remind me of that Bengals team from two years ago when they have a very up and coming young quarterback, some weapons and weapons and that with weapons that were they're good, but they had never been showcased nationally. And they're a young team that really isn't afraid to take on anyone. So the vibes are there for an upset, but the chances, the, the vibes don't equal the chances, in my opinion. And that's before you get into the Ravens defense, which has which has played exceptionally well. The Ravens defense has been incredible. Like Roquan Smith, like the Bears decided to give him up for a second rounder, and Rokon has played at an all-pro level for both years he's been there. He's unlocked Patrick Queen, who's, who's also played exceptionally well. Justin Matabuke is an exceptional pass rusher now. Somehow got 13 and a half sacks in the contract year, if funny how that works. And they have probably one of the most versatile defensive weapon, uh, defense secondary weapon in Kyle Hamilton. So I'm in, I, I want to see this matchup because it's a very different puzzle that he has to solve compared to even the Browns, who are also very good defense. Because the Ravens' defense, I think, has been so, so good and so, so adaptable to whatever gets thrown in front of them. That if Stroud can solve this, they really might do the unthinkable and actually go to the final stage. Maybe like kind of like, like the Bengals did two years ago. Mason, any thoughts? I mean, you, I, well, if they beat the Bengals, it, or Bengals, geez, uh, sorry, think about why these team here. If they beat the Ravens. Well, they've already done that. They already yeah, beat the Bengals. They already did beat the Bengals. Um, if, they, if they do come in and beat the Ravens, that is going to be the team. It's like, it, it genuinely would make me nervous if the Bills beat KC to see Houston come to Buffalo because that, I mean, 
what realistically at that point what do they have to be nervous about at all like they're such a young team and their first crack at any of this stuff like would it be great to go all the way win it all and then not have to like have that on your shoulder sure but like just making it this far at all nobody considered that even remotely possible like that's a team that gets to go out there and just enjoy the fact that they're there and not worry about like we have to get this done I, I did like what YB brought up. This team, if they win this weekend, it does get eerily reminiscent of that Bengals Super Bowl run. It really does. I, I mean, a team with a young first, second-year passer with a lot of talent offensively, with a good coaching staff, with a solid defense. And that that – that Bengals team didn't have what C.J. Stroud has, which is tremendous protection. Houston's offensive line has been dominant for the past month and a half and really shut down Miles Garrett for the most part. And now you're you're going to a Ravens team that has had some good pass rush this year, but really does it more by committee. I I, I think I think I I feel just very confident about about the Texans uh, this week. Let's go ahead and pick this game really quick and, and give some scores, and then we can move on to, to our next uh, our next game, unless you guys have any other overarching storylines slash thoughts about this one. Just one quick note. I know that the voting for a coach of the year and whatnot gets done, I think, before the playoffs begin, but I think they should change that personally because – if we put so much emphasis on playoff success as a barometer for a coach and a player, then why do the votes have to come at, like without considering the postseason? So with that in mind, like Demico Ryan's for what he's done, I think he has to be coaching. Yeah, totally agree. I feel like what's the elegant solution for that? Like after the, <laughs> they do the voting after this weekend, maybe? Maybe like later, like, like, like if if you go, um, I mean, you can make the argument that if you do it after the Super Bowl, then everyone's everyone's just gonna vote for the yeah. Super Bowl winning coach, which kind of yeah. defeats the purpose of it. So I understand why they eliminate the post postseason from that, but there's got to be a more elegant solution, and I don't I don't know what it is, but it like the the candidates I think were I, I have a hunch it might be Stefanski or uh, Ryan's is definitely up there, and. The floor might be up there because of what he did. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is probably going to be the coach of the year, but you know, it's Ryan's like reserves a party shout out. Like if he doesn't win it, like, and the only person I think I'd be perfectly fine with have, like winning ahead of Ryan's is probably Dan Campbell because of what he meant to the city of Detroit. But Ryan's definitely needs to be up there, and he probably will be like in the top three at least. I have no idea if he'll win or not. Yeah. I think if I had to come up with a solution, I'd say vote for the awards after divisional round weekend. That way you, you still kind of have a, a solid, there are still four teams left. It's not as, as cut and dry as the Super Bowl, because I do agree, YB, if we did it after the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl winning QB and coach would be the MVP and coach of the year every single year. But yeah, I, I I totally agree. They they should change the voting so that there there is some sort of emphasis on playoff success, just because that's that's what the sport is measured by at this point by fans and and people in the media who who cover the the sport. Um, Mason, 
we'll start with you. How are we feeling in this game? Where are you going, do you think? I'm going to go. I think that we're we're finally going to get some closer games this weekend. It's not just going to be a series of lopsided blowouts. Um, let's say 28-24 Ravens. YB? I think the Ravens have something to prove, especially Lamar Jackson, and I think they'll come out like very focused. And I, I think I, I want the Texans to win, like obviously for you know reasons that are that don't need to be said. But I think the Ravens get the job done and move on. I think they win. I think they win a bit of a uh, in a bit of a bigger lead than I think people imagine. So I'd say 34 24. I think the Ravens' strength defensively is their linebackers. I think no one does a better job of confusing linebackers than Kyle Shanahan and coaches in the Kyle Shanahan tree. And, oh, who just happens to be in the Kyle Shanahan tree? Houston, Texas offensive coordinator Bobby Slovic. I think the Texans are going to have a plan. I think... Lamar's going to do his best, but I think ultimately it, it comes down this whole weekend, all these matchups, where at the point it just comes down to who's the better quarterback and who can solve the defense. And I think C.J. Stroud's going to be able to solve the defense, and I think Lamar Jackson's going to get tripped up by a D'Amico Ryan's game plan that's going to be solid and, and well thought out. And I think Will Anderson is going to uh, – Harris are going to have big days, man. I I, I think the Texans and the Ravens, I, I see it being, again, I'm going to continue my trend of last week's picks by being a little bit lower scoring, but I do still think there's a solid amount of scoring here. I think the Texans win 27 to 21. Uh, I just, I really, I, uh, I, I just, I don't, the Ravens just have not, have now won in the playoffs recently, and I, I think that trend continues here. All right. To me, the game I'm most excited about this weekend, I know everyone's on Bill's Chiefs. I get it. It's fun storylines. All of these are good, but I'm so excited to watch Packers 49ers because if there's one game that has a potential to get to an absolute shootout where it's just two great offensive minds going back and forth and trying to out-scheme each other. I think it's Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. And and here we are, guys. I mean, what what a matchup. Jordan Love versus Brock Purdy. What what a, who would have thought that this would be one of the premier quarterback matchups of the weekend? But it really is. Brock Purdy does they're, they're two drastically different players. Purdy does his best work as as a point guard and a guy that can just does a really good job of running his offense. Jordan Love, I'm legitimately convinced, has the physical ceiling of Patrick Mahomes. Like with the fact that we we say Patrick Mahomes can make throws no one else can make. I think Jordan Love can make those throws. And I think he can make throws that Patrick Mahomes can't make because I, I think he, he has the ceiling to be that good. I'm not sure he's quite there yet, but I mean, you go back and you watch that 
Cowboys game. I mean, I don't know if you two saw it, but like watching that, I was like, oh my God, it's just, it's just like late stage MVP Aaron Rodgers. That was literally what Jordan Love was in that game. Am I totally off in, in, in making that comparison? I just feel like they're, they're incredibly similar players, but Love's got a bigger arm and has more mobility. And Rodgers. Yeah. No, I think I think that I think that went a little too far there. Rogers has an incredible arm, and also before he became a forty-year-old smoking ayahuasca, he was he was definitely mobile. So let well pump the brakes on that. But I understand what you're saying because you saw. I think you, we've all seen that statistic where Jordan Love in his first year as a starter and Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter. The stats are remarkably similar, if not virtually identical. So, <clears throat> at Mason, I think remember we. There were, I mean, you were talking about Jordan Love and like the NFC North fans are going to have an aneurysm. Well, the EMTs better get ready because Jordan Love looks yeah. like another keeper right there. But, like, kind of the similar deal with like you mentioned how because the Packers played so well and beat up a good team in well, good team in Dallas that like, it, you get you kind of get the sense like what if they continue this momentum and but the Niners obviously were off last week. I think on the whole, the Niners, I think, needed that off week more than maybe the Ravens because the nine, McCaffrey got banged up late in the se- later in the season. Debo was always carrying something. You know, Kittle is also, like, always has something nagging, even like he's tough as hell, so he always plays. So I think the Niners, they, I think that loss against Baltimore, I think, has helped them in a sense that, they need they were they were so good in so many games this season. They were outclassing teams left and right. And then they got embarrassed on national TV. So I think that woke them up. I think they're they'll be very motivated. And Brock Party obviously last year he his final his conference title game, he tore his elbow and we were worried he we ne- he never reached the brief glimmer he had and lo and behold he's been a, he's been an MVP candidate for all whole year. So it's it's fun, and I, I I forget the last time. Well, okay, not true, like because the Niners and Rams have played before in the playoffs. So it was McVay against Shanahan, but I don't think no, no. Okay, so Lafleur and Shanahan have played obviously, and Lafleur lost that one. But I think he's looser now because he doesn't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers like kind of checking his checking him, if you will, checking Matt Lafleur, if you will, and uh. I'm the I'm the captain of this ship, and the Packers I think have come together. They have momentum, but just the same, I think the Niners are way too talented, especially way too talented to let this sort of opportunity slip by. Like, who knows how much more Christian McCaffrey has up seasons like this? And Kyle Shanahan, like he knows the pain of coming so close and then just getting and then get dying by some ridiculous circumstance. So I think they'll be. I think they'll be ready, and I think they'll handle everything. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. Like, the, there's so much, so, so much talent on that 49ers roster. Well, it is almost unfair just how many – Oh, top five people at their position they have floating around that 
has to be able with. It's not all right. And I think realist has to be the nightmare scenario for Green Bay Packers fans. <laughs> like, I mean, I know that there's not a lot of holdover from constantly losing to them previously, but like that that has to stick with you a little bit. That the that there's that one team that just kind of seems to have have your 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 number when it comes to the postseason. Like this would be the last team I wanted to see if I was a Green Bay Packers fan, just by virtue of history. Yeah. Jordan Love's gonna have to be special with his legs this week. We haven't really seen that yet. We haven't really seen how he does against pressure because he's going to get pressure this week. Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Cleland Farrell, Javon Kinlaw, Chase Young, Fred Warner, Randy Gregory, like, holy cow. Like, but they've just got edge rushers coming out of the wazoo. Like, all their guys can rush the passer and rush the passer extremely well, save for Randy Gregory walking drug case and injury uh, and IR spot, as I have said for many years. But, hey, I mean, it, it is a miracle. He shows up in San Francisco and, oh, now he's great. But that's just salty Broncos fan talking. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see Love's mobility and how the offensive line holds up and how that changes Green Bay's game plan because – they're not going to, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. I really don't think so. For as good as Aaron Jones is, I really don't think Green Bay is going to be able to run the ball in this game. And I think that might be their ultimate undoing. That, I mean, that was how the Packers, like, you know, beat the hell out of the Cowboys because the Cowboys, even though they were reputed as having a great defense, they did not stop the run at all. So, but the Niners are a very different beast. And you're, I think you're right that. That rushing attack that carried them so much in terms of efficiency against Dallas, like it's not going to be as efficient, in my opinion, because Love is like I think the only team that rushed really well against the Niners was Baltimore, and that's because Lamar is you know a different game plan in and of himself. So, so I think the Niners have the edge, like have a pretty significant edge, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like I don't usually, I usually like when I predict like games or scores, I usually try to kind of see how things can be close. But I think the Niners, like, in t- not just in terms of talent, but also in terms of motivation, mainly because of who's in charge and also the quarterback ha- being who he is. I think the Niners will come out bolt guns blazing and, and absolutely blitz the Packers. And the Packers will get some of it back because they're too talented in offense to not score anything. But I think they win. I think the Niners will comfortably here. Yeah, but one thing that concerns me about the Niners is I do not trust the secondary. I mean, they're down there all pro safety, Talanoa, Hufanga. Like, they. I don't trust the cornerbacks. I never trust the Niners' corner. No. Trevius Ward, he's like their number one corner. Like, Trevius Ward has played really well, though. He's played very, very well. I'm not. I just never trust them. Okay. I never mm-hmm. trust the That's Niners' fair. corners. Am I dumb to think that? I just don't think they're that good of a secondary. I think that I think the Packers can win in the air. I think they. I, I think they can. I don't think they can win on the ground, but I think they can. I think they can throw. I think this. I think this devolves into a shootout. Ultimately, 
quickly. We'll do picks here in a second. I'm with you guys. I, I think the Niners win here, but I, I do think the, the Packers are going to be able to move the ball and score through the air. I do think that will happen. The front seven is definitely uh, the strong point of the ordinary defense. I will admit that. I will, I will concede that. Because mainly because the front seven is so darn good. All right, YB, you start us off here. Who are you picking? I, as I mentioned before, I'm picking the Niners. I think, and I just like how I mentioned in the Baltimore game, I think the Niners win pretty comfortably in terms of the final score, at least. And final score, I think like 38 24. 38 24. Mason. I think uh, they're also going to win pretty comfortably, come out, just absolutely put one on them and terrify the rest of the NFC. Uh, 34-21. You know what? I'm I'm going exactly YB's score. I think it goes – I think it, it stays close throughout the first three quarters. I, I do think that it devolves into a little bit of a shootout. But I, I do think ultimately the Niners pull away. I'll, I'll take that 38-24 scoreline as well. That seems about right. That, to me, indicates that the Packers are in this game for most of the time. Keep it close, yeah. and at the end, the, the Niners just pull mm-hmm. away. That's that's kind of how I, I see this going. I do think, though, and maybe this is crazy to say, I think this is the biggest threat the Niners have in the playoffs in the NFC now, I think, is this game. I think if anyone could knock them off, it is the Packers. I don't think they will, but if they win this game, I, I think they're shoe in for the Super Bowl because I'm certainly not going to pick against them if they play Detroit or Tampa Bay. I'm I'm just not. I, I do think LaFleur is good enough and in his bag enough, like you said, YB, and comfortable in calling his own plays enough that he can outshoot out Kyle Shanahan. Like, I think that's a possibility. I think there is a real possibility that the Packers can win this game. I don't think they will, but I, I just want to put it out there that I do believe I won't be shocked if they do. Okay, let's move on to another Lions home game. Oh, what fun. Yeah. Lions, Buccaneers. This is a real, this is a, this is a real like, this is a game for the sickos. You know what I mean, guys? Like, like this is a game for, for, for the guys like us. Like, the guys that they, they really love all 32 NFL teams. The sickos that watch it's as the, much football the, as they possibly can. This is a game for us. because It's, it's the redemption rule. Like, it's, a, it, it's the backlash of, of two redemption projects in Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield. Yep, absolutely. A hundred percent YB. You nailed it on the head. It's Baker Mayfield. It's Jerry Goff. It's Mike Evans. It's Chris Godwin. It's Sam Laporta. It's Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams had a quietly good game last week. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. Rashad White has been an absolute beast this year as a running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know how far you how much you guys have followed him. I played him in fantasy for us all a chunk of the year. Absolute beast of a receiving running back. Kate Otten has had a pretty good year. They're just weapons all over the place. And so I want to start with the defenses. What's your read? Who who has the better defense here? 
going into this game because to me they they just I can't pick I can't pick one I trust more or less on paper. They they're almost identical to me. Yeah, I think similar similar in terms of like how they're viewed. <clears throat> I think the fact that the Lions have a definite ace defender in uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I would that's what I would push them a little bit over the the Bucks. Who I think. Levante David, if he was about five years younger, I think would classify as a defensive ace. But oh wait, okay, that's not true. They do the Bucks do have an ace, Anton Winfield. Winfield has been absolutely incredible. And and the fact that he was not voted into the Pro Bowl is a travesty of Pro Bowl voting. But he got first team all pro, so that's what counts. <clears throat> but on the whole, the Bucks the Bucks were known for their defense, obviously, in the in the Tom Brady years. Like in addition to the obviously having a Brady led offense, like they had, they managed to squeeze out like good performances out of veterans and then kind of in they, as they geared up for Super Bowl runs. And now they have young guys and collagic guys like collagic Hansi and middle and like middle of their career holdovers like Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis and uh, Devin White. I think he's up and down, especially if he doesn't have Levante David alongside him to kind of, like, kind of. Uh, manipulate his controller but on the the Lions like they play they I think they've played well enough defensively but they, there's something that still kind of worries me about that Detroit defense like especially in the secondary they don't have like a standout corner uh, that guy whose name I can't pronounce notwithstanding but <clears throat> But on the on the other side though, like when you compare it, then you have to compare. It's not defenses are not going to be playing the defenses. Like it's a matter of which offense plays which defense. And I personally believe the Lions' offense to be a tick above the Bucks' offense, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin notwithstanding. And because of that, I think the matchup is pretty dead even in terms of, because the the Lions' offense with an absolutely incredible offensive line, which I think has a legitimate claim to be the number one offensive line now that the Eagles have been uh, racked by old age. <clears throat> they 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 do so much for Jared Goff, and and Goff you show you saw last week, and you saw it throughout his career. If he doesn't, if he isn't pressured, he's a very very good quarterback, he's a very accurate quarterback, and a very efficient quarterback. And not just Amara St. Brown and Sam Laporta, but also guys like Josh Reynolds stepped up. Jameson Williams, you mentioned, had a good week last week. Uh, I'm not sure if they get back Khalif Raymond, but who knows? And so they have good offensive weapons, and Jameer Gibbs can also catch catch out of the backfield. Montgomery has – David Montgomery, I think, people were kind of questioning the signing, especially after they drafted Jameer Gibbs, but I think they utilize the running backs very well in terms of being a one-two punch better than I think any other team in the league. And the I think the the key factor is that they're playing Detroit. And Detroit, you saw that that place was that place was maniacal. I mean, I know that I know how it feels. I wasn't there obviously, but two years ago when the Bengals finally won a game at home, like you saw what you saw the the noise they made. You saw like what it meant to those fans. You saw that that old man with like 30 year season tickets, like, like weeping in the stands, it means something. And so the lions, I think they'll have, they'll have a raucous crowd behind them, like helped by the, uh, the ravings of their coach. And so if I, if you force me to pick one, I think I'll pick the lions mainly because I want that to happen as well. 
no offense to Baker. I think Baker's done a remarkable job in salvaging his career. I think when offseason comes, he'll probably be looking at a contract close, like maybe a little bit above what Daniel Jones got, which is which would have been unthinkable just a couple months ago. So it'll be. I think this will be the most fun game in terms of like you really just watch it for what it does. Yeah, I, I'll give you a defensive guy that I I I think has really come on over the past few weeks. Kalijah Cansey, man, I'm a fan of him. He like I'm fine. Like everyone was like, "Oh, Aaron Donald comes, Aaron Donald comes." Like he's kind of starting to like look like that. It took him a little while to get going. He didn't have the best regular season, but over the past month, he's played extremely well. And they have two really good guys up the center in Vita Vea and him, and and we know how important that can be in the playoffs. And I I I do think they're. There is a case to be made that the Buccaneers do have a slightly better defense. I know, I know that might be a little bit crazy to say, but I, I kind of trust their secondary a little bit more. But I ultimately, I, 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 I don't think defenses are really going to matter in this game. I think ultimately we we get some kind of a shootout. Where are you at with this game, Mason? What are you looking forward to? So I'm, I'm also looking forward to kind of seeing what. Baker Mayfield can put together. I mean, I think when you compare the two quarterbacks, I would say Baker's probably the more inconsistent of the two where he has like lower lows, but I think he also kind of has some higher highs. I mean, man, when, when Baker is actually throwing the deep ball nice and has like the swagger and stuff, like he has some games where he's genuinely just almost unstoppable. He he he's the one who makes a difference for everybody and really just kind of like carries the team. But it's wondering whether or not that's the Baker who's going to show up, you know, this particular Sunday. And looking back through the games from this year, they did play Detroit this year. And unfortunately, it was Baker's probably by far worst game of the year. His completion percentage was down near 50 percent, zero touchdowns to one intercept only a little over 200 yards and that wasn't all that long ago back in October so while maybe you know we can give a slight edge to Tampa Bay's defense I think the totality of who Detroit is is probably what ends up coming to bear on both Baker and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in general Okay, I, I'm with you. When Baker gets going, man, something special and crazy happens. I'm totally with you, Mason. He can be anyone when he's playing at, at his absolute best. But you know the other guy who you can say that same thing about? Jared Goff. They're like, they're eerily similar players at this point in their careers. They do it a little bit differently, but like, they are kind of equivalent and i'm just really interested to see see the way it, the way it the way it all plays out i think i think they've really got to they they've got to make big decisions this this offseason the bucks because mike evans a free agent they made a huge mistake not paying him because 
now you're going to have to choose who you franchise. Is it going to be Baker or is it going to be Mike Evans? And that kind of that that kind of screws them from a team building aspect. So I don't know, guys. I just I'm I'm really excited for this game. I'll start. We'll let you guys wrap it up this time on this one. I think we get a shootout. I think this is extremely fun, but I'm not picking against the Lions in Detroit. I'm not doing it. I'm I'm going out. I'm I'm saying this is a fun shootout, the funnest shootout of the weekend. Almost like when we got that Chargers Lions game earlier this year. I I think this is going to be super fun. I'm going to take the Lions 45, the Bucks 42. I think this is this is our big shootout game. YB? I'm also taking the Lions. Like, I'm, I don't, maybe, fate's not the right word, but with the home crowd behind them, I think that home crowd, that energy, and the loud noise they'll make, like, compared to when the Bucks are on offense, I think that will provide an edge. <clears throat> and for some odd reason, I don't think it'll go as far into, like, the scores that I think you put it, but I do have the Lions winning. It'll it's a it's a very close game in terms of like the matchups, and I think it'll end like thirty one twenty eight. Uh, I think with just the way the Lions have played kind of all year, coming into this, they've just been again too too good to to let it slip away quite yet. Um, and, and again, when, when Baker's dealing and he has been dealing the past couple of weeks, he really is pretty special, but I, I don't think he does quite enough to get the job done, but I do agree. It's a pretty high scoring game and I, I'm going to go 42, 38 Lions. All right. Let's take a brief, uh, recess here before we get to the main event to talk about coaching changes or lack thereof. Uh, and just all I, I, I would like us all. I know you're in an office setting, YB, but I would like us all. Let's all collectively laugh at Jerry Jones really quick. Okay, ready? <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Never change. You're bringing no, back Mike McCarthy, you fucking doofus. <laughs> you think <laughs> this is going to end any differently than it did this year. <laughs> you're going to try to convince us next December when you're 13 and 4 that, oh, wow, we have the number one scoring offense again. And, oh, Michael Parsons going to be the defensive player of the year. We've really got it all figured out. Look out. We're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, you're not. You're the Dallas Cowboys. You stupid. Jerry, you're a fucking loser. What are you doing, dude? You got to, like, he just, he doesn't know how to get out of his own way. He's 82. He wants to win another Super Bowl, but he just doesn't understand that if he doesn't take a step back and get out of the football apps of it all, he just never will because he keeps hiring these puppets that don't know how to coach. They lost that game, not because of the defense, to be completely honest with you, but because in the first half, the offense was listless and lifeless. What are we doing, guys? Why is this happening? It is the definition of insanity. And I, I legitimately mean this. I feel 
bad for Dallas Cowboys fans. It's specifically like people who live in Dallas, specifically people who like live in Dallas, Texas, and who get born into Cowboys fandoms. I feel bad for you because you just root for a joke of an organization that clearly doesn't care about winning. It's it's maddening. I can't believe it. I couldn't believe it when I saw that before we hopped on here tonight. Well, I mean, Jerry's rationale is that it's hard to win 36 games in three years, which is true. Like, Jerry does have a point there. But as you mentioned, Jerry, like, we I and I just remember when we were talking about uh, coaching opportunities and coaching candidates, you said that, like, Jerry might be, like, he might you might be smart enough in his old age to kind of maybe bring in someone like Belichick or whatnot. And I told you, I laughed in your face and said, Jerry wants to win their Super Bowl on his own terms. And yeah, you were I, right. And I was right. I mean, I, I haven't seen what the Cowboys have done for 30 plus years. Like, I, I remember, like, we were talking about this in the group chat, but the weekend, the, the day after the Cowboys are eliminated is the one day of the year I listened to Undisputed at first take. So, <laughs> So I listened to all of it, and you meant like the the kick the definition of insanity takes trying the same thing and having failed like expecting different results that came up. I mean, there and I understand that in terms of like the cold hard results of the regular season, the wins they put up, firing Mike McCarthy might seem pretty harsh, and I that's so perfectly relevant argument, but. When the team on the biggest stage, when not even the biggest stage, not even the Super Bowl, in the postseason, they're not ready to play. They're so undisciplined. They're so predictable. And the common thread in that is, well, there's two common threads, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. And I will say this. You don't blame the defense. I blame the defense because they allow Jordan Love to score six touchdowns in seven drives. You can't win a game like that, no matter how good your offense is. Like Dan Quinn, the supposed defensive savant, got absolutely torched by those young kids in Green Bay. Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dobbs were playing, were basically taking the Cowboys defenders to school. So, and to, and to say that and say, we're running it back. Like, what really can you expect out of the Dallas Cowboys anymore? Like, if what we saw in that game with CeeDee Lamb, like, jawing off at Dak Prescott was, like, maybe it was just a one-game thing, but you don't like that's not something you want to have the lasting memory of your season by. And this time they didn't have a chance to put out an absolutely ridiculously humorous play on the final play of the game. But on the whole, I think that what we saw on what we saw on that weekend, it's it probably it should be probably should have been classified as uh for ages 19 and up on Pornhub, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. So it's <laughs> it's it's I don't know what Jerry's thinking. Like, if if he really wants a Super Bowl before he croaks someday, and I I have no doubt that he wants one, then he's got then he's got to he's got to try something else because this definitely like you put more authority in the hands of Mike McCarthy, like, and you put you put your eggs in the in the McCarthy and Prescott basket, and this result is I think the worst one because they like. The Niners were a good team. The Packers, they showed themselves to be a good team, but they were not on the class of the Niners that beat them the last two years. The team, if you think about it in totality, has regressed. 
And this is a disturbing, this is a disturbing thought for the Dallas fan base. And Skip goes overboard and throwing away his Cowboys gear and in, in like in a very uh, pre-coordinated manner on camera. But I think he might have been, he, this is the first time I, threw, I feel that I can at least somewhat understand what his, what his thinking is. And if he, fil- if he films another one now that McCarthy's still the head coach, I would not be surprised at all. Mason? Yeah, I don't I don't think I can believe that they got them. I mean, we the conversation you and I had, YB, was if he can't get it done, even win two games, like how is he gonna stay there? How can they possibly keep him? It would prospectively be football malpractice in order to do so. And here we are, Jerry Jones better freaking lawyer up because all of Dallas should be suing him for this. It's just, it is sad. And then reports are coming out that Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are buddying up and <clears throat> taking, uh, like, you know, taking, you know, all kinds of, uh, he might be back in, he might be back in, in Philadelphia. It's crazy. All right, YB, I know you got to go. Yeah, I know, I know lunch break's over, but I do want to get your pick. So, Mason, plug your ears. Mute your mic. Undo your headphones. Really quick, YB, tell me what you're thinking for this Chiefs-Bills game, and uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you listen to me and Mason when uh, when we put this pod out. But uh, I want to know your picks and, and how you're feeling. The Bills finally, I think, have the chance to slay the dragon, if you will. They finally made it so that the Chiefs have to come to them as opposed to the Bills going to your head. And the the injuries worry me because I think the Bills are the Bills defense has I think suffered more injuries than than potentially a World War II room. But, but Josh Allen I think played exceptionally well. Granted, it was against the Steelers sans TJ Watt, so there is that. But the the young weapons they brought in over the past couple of years in Kincaid and Shakir. They've taken over for the incredibly mercurial Gabe Davis, who no doubt because he was such a non-factor for so many weeks and was hurt, will will repeat his heroics of two years ago and go off for four touchdowns, such as the way of the NFL. And they now have a more balanced attack with James Cook, who is perfectly capable of leading leading the rushing attack. And then you have Josh Allen's running. And the Chiefs, even though they won handily against the Dolphins, I, I'm still not convinced by like what I've seen out of their offense. Granted, it was in subarctic temperatures, so I'll take that into consideration. And the Chiefs defense has played very well for the most part of the season. I think the Bills finally get it done. I think the Bills finally overcome that particular demon and win in and win in Orchard Park and go to the go to the conference side conference final. I think they do. I think they win. I think it'll be low scoring, like even though the pedigree of the players is pretty high. So 24 16. All right. YB, we'll see you on Saturday. All right. Sounds good. I'm excited. Have a a good rest of your week. All right, right, Mason. I mean, I could could talk forever, but I'm just going to let you talk. How, How are you feeling, man? 
I mean, you know, stress, it's the Chiefs. There's a history there, but they've never come to Orchard Park. But the, the injury bug is pretty severe. I, I don't know that there's a single person in the entire back seven of the defense outside of Micah Hyde and Jordan Boyer that's actually starting that we started with at the beginning of this year. We are down to like all third and fourth stringers, and it is pretty much desperation mode on that side of the ball when it comes to that. Um, but I mean, we're getting we're getting Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in the playoffs again, and this is where both of them do a lot of their best work. And so I think it's going to be a, a pretty explosive game. Otherwise, maybe not you know super high scoring, but I think that. You know, we'll see a lot of, of pretty excellent play from both quarterbacks. And, and, I mean, both defenses have been fairly consistent throughout the year, too. And so I think we'll, we'll see them hold serve to some degree as well. Um, I think the biggest keys here is going to be kind of those role players stepping up and making the differences that they need to make. Um I mean, like Khalil Shakir did, you know, and I like they're going to need Isaiah Pacheco and they're going to need Rice. They're going to need everybody kind of to, to make their small differences everywhere over the field. And it's going to come down to which teams, you know, secondary players and, and lower tier players can step up and make those differences for them. <clears throat> yeah. The, it's it's a tough matchup. I don't know, man. I, I feel really nervous for you because I, I do feel like you have to look at this like it's your best shot. Because we know how this goes, you and me, as, as tortured fan bases and enemies of the Chiefs in general. They're going to reload this offseason. Rushy Rice is probably going to develop more. Travis Kelsey is probably going to come back and have a huge year next year. They might just go out and fuck around and trade for Mike Evans or say C.D. Lamb really does get pissed off this offseason, which could happen. Or, you know, one of these diva wide receivers, the Seahawks are rebuilding. They could go for D.K. Metcalf, man. They really could. This is your best shot, Mason. I just, I need you to understand that. Like, this is it. Like, if if you don't win here, like, are you ever actually winning this? I, I feel like you're in a bad spot because the Chiefs have no pressure on them. Absolutely none. The fact they are here is totally fine. Bear fans view this as a rebuilding year. If they make it to the conference championship this year somehow, it's just icing on the cake. But I am also telling you this, Mason. You are the only thing preventing Bradford and those fans and that man who wears 15 from going to another Super Bowl. I really believe that. Like, I, I know I, I have... I sung praises for CJ Stroud earlier today, but I don't care if 
if Casey wins this game, they're winning the next one and they're going to the Super Bowl. Like I've just I've seen the story too many times. And dude, we just need Josh Allen to be special this weekend. And we need him to be smart too, which he was in that game against the Steelers. But man, I, I am just I'm really nervous, Mason. I I I, I feel like I'm probably not more nervous than you, but I, I feel like I'm close. I, I am I am terrified of this game for the Bills. I feel like things things could go really wrong if if they wanted to. And it's just such a tortured fan base. And I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little bit worried. It's it's definitely uh nerve wracking, but uh you know, it's I I I'm pretty impressed with where the Bills are just considering the the amount of injuries and adversity that they've kind of gone through to get to this point. And they actually look locked in and ready to go as opposed to like last year when they hit the playoffs and just look dead. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that despite the game that the chiefs put up against the dolphins last week and how good they did look, man, the dolphins, I, I think it was a bigger story of just how bad, the Dolphins looked how absolutely destroyed and incapable they were of showing up to actually play rather than it being that the Chiefs came out and absolutely manhandled them. So I think that uh, while it's going to be a good game, I I think the Bills do have a a little bit of an advantage here, especially with them having to come to Orchard Park for a change. I'm going to let you pick last. Because it only makes sense. This is a put or put or shut up game for me. I was thinking about rescinding this if Bradford showed up, but it, because Bradford didn't show up, but I'm gonna put this on the table, Mason. And you tell me if this is fair. Would you say I've been the most critical of Patrick Mahomes on this show this season? Correct. Easily. I have a rule. Yeah. You know my rule. What's my rule? You don't pick against Pat Mahomes. Yeah, don't pick against Especially Pat Mahomes. Especially in the playoffs. I want to break my rule. So bad. But broken rules, if they don't follow through, have consequences, Mason. So there need to be consequences. So I'm putting this on the table. I do believe Josh Allen is playing like the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I believe he is playing perfect football. I believe what we saw against the Steelers was one of the best games of his career. I believe he can do it against this vaunted Kansas City Chiefs defense. I believe he is going to have to score points. I believe the Chiefs are going to score 28 plus points in this game. That is something that is going to happen. This is going to get high scoring because the Bills just they don't have the dogs on the defense anymore to keep up. And Rasheed Rice is going to get yards after contact. And he's going to run across the middle of the field. And Richie James is probably going to have a few deep catches. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling might show up. And I bet Travis Kelsey is going to eat against a team with no linebackers. But man, Josh Allen is playing unreal ball right now. And this is Josh Allen's moment. So I'm saying this, Mason. 
if the Kansas City Chiefs win this game and I am picking the Bills to win, I will pick the Bills to win 31 to 28 in overtime. No, scrap that. 35 to 28. This time they get the ball first, Mason. I'm telling you, man. This time they get the ball first. 35 28 Buffalo Bills. Wait, is there a there's a new OT rule for the playoffs, right? Yep. Okay. So how does that work again? We, we should. So they would have thing. to go down, score, and then they would actually have to get a stop. Or the Chiefs score, and then the Bills would have to score again to end it. It's both teams will get a possession with the ball at the very least, regardless of the first scoring outcome. Okay. And then afterwards, it's just effectively removed. So I'm just going to predict it because you predict what you want to predict. You predict what you want to see happen, Mason. This is an all-time shootout. 28-28 going into the fourth. Josh Allen goes down in OT, scores first, 35-28. Patrick Mahomes goes down, scores another touchdown, 35-35. Josh Allen gets the ball back. Bills go down the field. Forget about field goal they go for touchdown they score a touchdown bills win 42 to 35 and mason if the chiefs win this game if patrick mahomes wins this game with no weapons and just a a worse roster than the bills have if patrick mahomes wins this game i will never on this podcast in history, unless it is approved that I can say it from three, from two other members of the podcast, I will always have Patrick Mahomes as a top five quarterback. I will never remove him from the top five, no matter how badly he plays. And if he plays badly, I will still praise his name and say, no, he's a top five quarterback. I believe this is fair. Is this fair? I feel like for me, Mason, I just put a lot on the line. I just put a ton on the line. This is suddenly a massive game for me. Yeah, you're not mistaken. This is definitely the the this game is gonna dictate a lot of the next like five to ten years of your life. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm nervous. And the only one that can save me is your guy, is you. So let's just, you know, let's make this pact. Let's go out. Let's win this thing, man. Like, let's let's prove that he's not God. Let's prove that he's not Tom Brady. Let's prove. Let's prove that he's not better than Tom Brady. We'll let's prove just that prove gods that... can believe. What? We'll prove that gods can believe. Yeah, prove that gods can bleed. Absolutely. All right, who you got? It, it, I I think it's going to be a close game. It's I think it's going to be within one score. It's going to come down to like a last possession. There's going to be zero comfort afforded me in any point in this game. It, it will it will be a nail biter from start to finish, and I think it's going to end. Uh, a little lower scoring than that, just because I think the defenses do hold at least a little bit of serve. I think it ends uh, 28-24 Bills. Mason, my promise to you, 
if you need me to wait, so if we get to Sunday, if you need me to wait till God, even 12, you need me to wait till midnight. I'll stay up till midnight. If you need us to move to Monday, we'll move to Monday. But I'm talking to you after this game. Do you understand me? We're talking. We're talking. Understood. All right. With that, I hope the podcast listeners have enjoyed. Thus wraps up the best week of the year for podcasting. Divisional round weekend. It'll be fun when we get to the Super Bowl, but here we are, man. Oh, crazy. Fun times. All right, Mason. It seems like let's just run through who we think is going to be in the conference title game. For me, it's uh, it's uh, Niners, Lions, and uh, Bills, Texans, and and uh, you, I believe, your your Bills, Ravens, and uh, Niners, Niners, Lions, Niners, Lions. So, and I believe uh, YB was uh, was Bills, Ravens, and. Uh, did he pick the Lions, Bucks, right? No, he picked the Lions, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Maybe Lions, it's the Bucks. I don't know. Lions and Niners as well. Wow. So that's 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 where we're meaning. Oh, my, I, I am I'm a voice of design on my Ravens team, but uh, I do think uh, you can get it. All right. Everyone. Get through the rest of the week. Get some wings. Next time. We will see you later. Peace out.